you know, make you feel good kind of messages. And, and that's what that's one thing I liked about the funerals here. Like uh, I remember attending my first funeral up in, in Wapapong. And, uh, and then, then they had, you know, the uh, just a box, you know, uh, with a corpse in it, and we could all go in and meditate on it. And the corpse was not had no cosmetics or anything; just the corpse as it, you know, with no attempt to make it look other than the way it was. And then we had, uh, you know, we contemplated the death. And, and Lumpacha, his desanas were all about death. And, and, and you're actually, you know, addressing the event in a very direct way. And I found that very uh, wonderful, you know, because you really need to, you know, death of some of another human has an effect on you. And, and uh, death is what we all, you know, know is going to happen to us. And just the directness and the, and the, uh, you know, the usefulness of just contemplating what had actually happened. And uh, I didn't find it depressing or, you know, traumatizing. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, it was very helpful and 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 led towards uh, dispassion like the asupa practices in meditations in um, in our tradition uh, you know if they're done rightly they're, they're not to make you feel averse and and disgusted with everything but to uh, lead towards dispassion a sense of coolness and rather than uh, you know uh, fear and or any kind of strong emotion and at one time we used to go to Siri Raja hospital and you know in the old days on to see the autopsies and uh, one day I, I went go on Monday because over the weekend there's a lot of murders and gruesome things happen so these there's a lot of interesting autopsies <laughs> And, and one day, one day, one Monday, I went in to see Roger and the, the man in charge said, I've got something special for you. So he took me to this, you know, took me to this place. The door was closed, but the stench was already seeping out through the cracks. And they opened the door and, and uh, this terrible, you know, putrid smell attacked me. And and uh, you know, I had to make actually kind of force myself to go in because the you know the the smell was so bad. I, I just wanted to retreat from it. And then I went in, and there was a, a rotting, bloated corpse, and it, uh, they'd found it in the, one of the clogs, and so it'd been uh, you know rotting for quite a few days. Uh, probably a, a young man, and it was all bloated. And uh, in this room, you know, they put these 
floating corpses a special room for this and you could see on the ceiling where things you know they, when the body exploded and the guts were <laughs> hanging from the ceiling it's pretty pretty uh, gruesome looking place but uh, and then this 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 corpse looked about ready to explode so that's a bit of you know I could think about it and feel a bit anxious but I, I went up to it and I just noticed you know first there was this repulsion and uh, you know kind of seeing it in terms of it's a kind of hideous gruesome uh, sight and the smell and everything but as I kind of let go of that reacting to that that feeling then I became very calm and uh, I started noticing the you know the kind of beauty of decay you know how these these you know you, you could see these these uh, worms crawling out of the mouth and the eyes and you know which are generally considered you know like horror images but Actually, you're you're witnessing a natural uh, decomposition, which is it has a certain beauty to it when you get past the initial kind of aversion or fear. So <clears throat> then I even went up and touched the the rotting corpse, you know, just just to to go past this this tendency to be repelled and. And uh, and just dwell on you know get caught in this feeling of how horrible and and disgusting it is. And then when I came out of Sri Raja Hospital that day, I had this wonderful sense of dispassion of re- you know just being totally cool inside. And uh, and I realized the the result of real, like a super gamatan uh, it was a it was a very calm collected composed feeling it could pass you know the most glamorous and beautiful women and and there was total dispassion mm-hmm. and you kind of see this, this potential corpse in in, in even the most attractive people and and then we had to cross over the river from Jiraji right into the area like Watanhatat and that where you go through these market places and there was you know meat hanging in, on hooks and people selling Kwetiao uh, and all this and you felt that you know this, just like the corpse and it's kind of not you know it all looked like decaying meat and not uh, you know in any way uh, aroused <laughs> hunger or interest in it and then and then the way one looked at other human beings was was through dispassion rather than through say uh, being attracted or or repelled by them So sometimes, you know, I remember my first instructions on the Supergamaton were, you know, from Miku at Wat Bawan and, and and he was he, he kind of indulged in uh, 
in kind of uh, kind of a sick indulgence in so disgusting the uh, ear dirt and the eye dirt and it kind of you almost feel he was getting high on on being disgusted and <laughs> and it, I felt a bit it felt like a perversion almost you know like it was a bit sick and uh, you know like he was supposed to kind of tell yourself how horrible disgusting it all is and create a kind of uh, you know a, a, a negative image of of aversion where you know a super is, is not doesn't mean uh, you know it means the non-beautiful like super means the attractive the beautiful and a super is the negation of that and then the English word disgust is is really you know it means it has a strong meaning of aversion but actually it means like it's from the French or Latin and, and you know like you lose your taste for for this you know you no longer see it in terms of of an illusion of it of uh, attractiveness is uh these kind of ways of, of of experimenting with, you know, to be able to to uh, develop a supergamaton in a way that it leads towards this passion rather than just uh, you know a sense of thinking that the world is disgusting and horrible, or that the human bodies are. Uh, you know, trying to convince yourself that they're not attractive, or that you should be averse or disgusted by them, but you you're actually not trying to to just uh, convince yourself or or play games with your mind, but actually through this mindfulness and reflectiveness, you begin to experience this uh, inner calm and coolness. Which is, which I would call this passion, and that's the good result of of a super meditation. And it's like this skeleton and the and this what this this the plasticine thing. These are. I didn't find them, uh, you know, I found them interesting because, but some, you know, people have very, some had very strong reactions, seeing it as perverse and sick. But uh, I didn't have that impression at all. And you can see, like, uh, they have one where you just see the whole nervous system. Of a, of a human individual, I mean, they've got got rid of everything but the uh, but the nerves, and uh, they have all, you know all kinds of interesting exhibits of you know of circulation and digestion and all the rest. I went to a funeral in Bangkok. 
this was years ago, of very wealthy people at one of the big temples there. And uh, and there were hundreds of people at this funeral, and then they had, uh, they during this funeral, they opened the coffin, and, um, and then this terrible stench came out of it. And then we were invited, you know, the monks were all invited to go up and look at the corpse. And, and everyone could do this. And I was quite, you know, I've never seen anything like this at a, at a lay person's funeral. And uh, they had a picture, a photograph of the woman that had died. And, you know, when she was... You know, she, she died quite young. I think she was about 50 or so when she died. So it wasn't an old woman. But you had this, this photograph of her uh, uh, and then you saw this uh, rotting putrid corpse inside. It was, you know, greenish and foul and, and in the, in, you know, really in the state of uh, advanced decay. And, and everybody you know, was encouraged to go and look at it. And, uh, of course, being a monk, but, uh, a lot of people wouldn't, you know, they just couldn't take it. But I was impressed that, that they would do that, you know, that it was, you know, it was a kind of well-to-do family that had this huge, huge funeral. They don't need me. That's the only time I've ever seen that done. The one time they, at Sri Rot, they had they had a, a man who'd been murdered. Uh, he'd been a, a Samlor driver. And he was about in his fifties, and so the the man that was uh, com- performing the autopsy, you know, exposed the lungs, uh, and and they were black, coal black, with uh, pollution and probably cigarette smoke, and of course all the you know the samlor written in them where they you know all the exhaust fume comes right come right. Into the sound door. So that was uh, interesting. Then they, following that, they had a, a young woman who committed suicide, and of course she, she was, you know, maybe twenty-year-old woman, and her lungs were in a kind of a delicate pink color. <laughs> she had, hadn't. That, that's quite, you know, when, you, when, you li- when you're in Bangkok, you know, you're very much aware of this pollution. You're breathing in all the time. Of course, if you're a Samlor driver, you must, you know, you must be, and take a great toll on, on your health.
and in 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 England, for example, if they they have uh, you know like somebody, say an, an English person who, who who is a Buddhist dies, and then uh, maybe they must have the funeral at Amravati. And so, you know, their relatives come who know nothing about Buddhism. And usually we, we have, we built the temple there. We have behind the main shrine uh, in the temple is a, called a chapel of rest. It's a, a room behind the main shrine uh, where you can put a, a body uh, and it have this, uh, this beautiful... Uh, um, we call it engraved glass reclining Buddha and that's huge, you know, plate glass. Uh, and then the we put the coffin into this into this room and and then uh, you know it's open and, and you can go and meditate. We we go and chant and meditate on the on the body. And so when the English person dies, then you know we we do this and we encourage the relatives to go and look at the the, the body. Some will, some won't do it because they so you know something they they can't make themselves do. But then uh, you know we have a, a certain ceremony of chanting, uh, matika, and things like that. And then they asked me to give a reflection, so I just give reflection, you know, anicca wada sangra, and and just the kind of basic Buddhist uh, reflection on death and impermanence. You know, nothing fantastic. And afterwards, some of these people come up and tell me how wonderful that was, how helpful it was. You know, just you know, these are like. British people who who don't know anything about Buddhism, but they you know they, they in the when they hear Dhamma like that, it you know they find it helpful and rather than off-putting or or strange because usually like in an ordinary in funerals in Britain are usually you know like at a crematorium you you've got fifteen twenty minutes and then. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it just get it in there and say the prayers and do all, and then get rid of the body as quickly as possible. So my intention, uh, Amravati, was to to try to kind of make a funeral death of a person more significant, so you're not just trying to get rid of the body and and uh, and ignore the event, and so this. Many people find this this very uh, helpful in just dealing with uh, this, this in this natural condition. You know that that we we're all going to die anyway, and then and then uh, you know the loss of loved ones, loft is a part of every human experience. You know, so you reflect on this that. Uh, the death, seeing your parents get old and die, and you know your friends die, and you know 
death is a part of, of one you know thing. what we love and cherish is going to die and, and we have to experience that usually before uh, oneself dies and even though that's so obviously a fact of life not many people have consciously accepted that or or appreciate that you know I would you know so many people say why did they have to die or this why is this happening to me or you know they they think that they shouldn't have and one one woman you know her mother her mother died at I think at a hundred years and this woman was why did she have to die? You know, hundred years. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Why did she have to die? And this is, you know, one can understand that emotional reactions, but but this reflective style is so useful, you know. To, to bring into consciousness your fears or dreads and you know to to be able to to make them conscious and not is you know but in this way of reflecting in terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of just you know creating more kind of dreadful emotions around it like I found you know like all kinds of you know fear is one of our primal emotions this is a fear realm that we are living in you know so there's a lot to be frightened of you know just you know because you realize your your very vulnerable form you know, the human form isn't uh, you know it doesn't have a has a very soft skin it's easily damaged so just on that level you know there's a lot to f- naturally fear and then of course, now we've we've got all the animals in cages, so we don't we don't have to deal with bears and wild elephants and tigers. But um, you've got some pretty crazy people in London, <laughs> wild <laughs> mad people around. You know, the humans are much more dangerous than uh, bears or tigers, and so the. The fear is is, a, and you see it in the animal realm. It's all survival, isn't it? Because the, you know, everything is subject to, to being killed, or consumed. Now then, you know, we the humans we can create laws and agree on moral precepts. So you know, the first precept is bonadi not to intentionally kill another human. But in spite of that, you know, we still. You know, we, we we try to make you know support each other's existence through the moral precepts, and then we have laws and punishments for for murder and, and killing and whatnot. But still, uh, you know, so we have a kind of maybe a sense of security that we wouldn't have if we were living, say, in a jungle or a place where there was just you know. The, the laws of morality and and of society didn't apply so it does give you but still the the fear haunts us because there's a lot of anxiety and worry various kind of neurotic fears that that 
modern people are obsessed with, you know, in their daily lives. Just anxiety and worry for one thing. And that's where this reflective thought bringing, you know, beginning to really look at the tendency to worry. Is, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, what will be the future of Nana Chat? And then we can start worrying about it. <laughs> uh, you know, will I, you know, my health, will I have good health or is there something, you know, some kind of terminal ailment that's going to, I'm going to experience, I could worry about all kinds of possibilities of loss and pain and, and misery in the future. And then bringing that that tendency to worry into consciousness is is observing worry is like this it's it's all about the future you know things might not go the way I want them to or I might be you know lose my mind I might be going senile you know as you get older your memory isn't so good so every time I I can't think of something I think oh Alzheimer's (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the beginning of Alzheimer's. <laughs> uh, this is uh, because these are, you know, the future for someone my age is what what's in store for me in the future really is death, increasing aging and death. And so this is, you know, that this also in terms of uh, reflective meditation is. Very important to 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 get the perspective on this, on the aging, uh, the aging process that's taking place in the in the body, and then the the uh, how the mind also is affected by age, and and you and so you're you're learning from aging and sickness and loss, rather than just dreading it and resenting it and resisting it or denying it. So like this practice will take you through the whole span of your life, you know, from the present to to the death of, of your physical body. And it includes, so it gives you a, a way of learning from this form, this lifetime, uh, in a way that you you know, you're not. You're, you when when the death moment comes, you you don't have this fear and anxiety. You know, you're you're prepared. You're ready for that final event. You know, the the death moment. So it's, uh, you know, the modern society is about trying to create images of perfection and beauty and, and uh, you know, this ideal of progress that uh, uh, was brought up with this is that, you know, everything's going to, should be progressing and advancing. So, and then, then this, uh, you know, the ups and downs of the economies, uh, 
the boom and bust economic problems and you know the idea of evolution and progress is is very much you know instilled in you when you're in, in a cultural way but in terms of Dhamma you're beginning to to see things how you know progress is is just one half of it and then it reaches a peak and then it goes the other way and that's just the natural pattern of conditioned phenomena and so this, this is where you don't thinking in terms of, of uh, making every you know that life should be getting better and better and more advanced and happier and happier but you're learning the way it is in terms of Dhamma through just observing your breath and your own body and your your own uh, emotional tendencies and and the the things that you experience uh, in your life uh, praise and blame happiness and suffering 